0: to worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church. We are so glad you have joined us in person and online. And if you're online this morning, please drop a note in the chat. Let us know you are worshiping with us. As you are able, please stand and let us sing together. All are welcome.
1: Hello, April Olt, Coordinator of Children's Ministries here at Hollywood United Methodist Church, joining you once again virtually. We will continue our children's sermon series next Sunday on Sunday, January 30th, starting with the Ten Commandments. Now this week during church, we will look at what does Jesus say about the church? and what does that mean to us as young people as young adults in the church what does church look like for us you know a lot of things have been different this year in just the brief year that we've had in 2022 but then all the way back to 2020. so what does church look like for us church looks like a lot of different things it it may be communicating with one another virtually What would Jesus say about that? Would Jesus even be able to imagine that we can reach out and make connections with someone even when we aren't in the same room? Of course, because we do it all the time. We do that through the power of prayer and we can spend moments every day reaching out and connecting virtually, picking up the phone and having a call and connecting with someone drawing a picture for someone and sending it, or having one of your parents or guardians take a picture and send it with someone else. Send a video message. Reach out and make those connections. And of course, the power of prayer. We have that opportunity to do that for one another all of the time, whenever we can, wherever we can, for whomever we can. Let's take a moment and pray right now. Dearest Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to join together with one another wherever we are, whether we are in person, whether we are virtual, whether we are far or near those that we care about. Help us to feel your love and your community wherever we are. All God's children say, Amen and now let's take a moment and pass the peace with one another
2: It was wonderful how April was already in a moment of prayer with the children as we watched her on the video, but now again for all of us, we'll begin a time of prayer by hearing our choral call to prayer from our choir. God of grace and glory, your son Jesus showed us the abundance of your love as he began his ministry, preaching in the church, proclaiming the power of your spirit upon him and speaking of his mission, his desire and his call for compassion and justice. And as we gather for church both in person and virtually today, you invite us to see the beauty of each and every person. And you invite us to sing your praises in the midst of the world and among all people. And we sing your praise in the midst of creation and among all of your creatures we sing your praise among suffering and tears and in places of conflict and misunderstanding in the midst of life and death and in a time of a birth of a new heaven and a new earth. O God of love you invite us to receive your friendship and to abide in you and so we ask your help that we might truly be a welcoming community where all are valued and where all your children know wholeness and well being. God of life, we seek your healing touch. Knit us together as a community of faith that abides in your love. Holy Spirit, You create and recreate the church in all places. So we would ask that you would mold and make us according to your will. Come and whisper in our hearts that which you desire for us to hear. Lord Jesus, Prince of Peace, light the fire of your love in us so that Suspicions and contempt and misunderstanding will end in the church. Continue to transform our lives that we may more and more reflect the peace and the joy and the strength that comes when we place our trust in you. May the fruit of our labors nourish others. May the wisdom that you give us lead others to know the living Christ. May our lives be seasoned by service and by action. And as we look outside ourselves, may we see hope for the world as we pray together now, wherever we are, the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
0: We are so glad that you have joined us for worship this morning, whether in person or online. Uh, just a few announcements. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we'll, we will be having the second of our two town halls where we invite you to come on Zoom and tell us what you are looking for from the church and what you would like to give an experience in this community of faith in 2022. Uh, the link has been in the E-news if you don't have it. Just send me an email, revkathy at hollywoodumc.org, and we can get that to you. We'd like for everyone who who would have an idea and just want to be in fellowship together for one hour tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. There will be a membership class that's upcoming in early February. It'll also be on Zoom, so watch for more details for that. All that we do here is made possible by you, by your prayers, your presence, your service, your witness, and your financial gifts. We continue to try and regain the losses that we've had over the past two years, and I know many of you have too, but I encourage you to give as generously as the Spirit um, urges you to. If you're here today or have a gift, you may place it in the offering basket in the Narthex, or there are myriad ways online to give. God bless you.
3: Now, a reading from the Gospel of luke four fourteen to twenty one then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and was as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
0: As we continue in the seemingly never-ending midst of COVID, there are other issues that we are dealing with that Jesus would likely have had something to say about. So far, we've talked about what Jesus would say about me and you. Last week, Pastor Brighty spoke about what Jesus would say about women in general. Next week, uh, Pastor Mark Stevenson will be here in this pulpit preaching about what Jesus would say about critical race theory, and I'll be preaching this sermon over at Harmony. Which leaves us then today. What would Jesus say about the church? What would he say about the church that is celebratory? And what would cause him to weep? Now let's think back to before it all started, or where it all started, even before the day of Pentecost, which we do consider the birthday of the church. It was on Easter evening, when the disciples were rejoicing over the resurrection of the Christ, that Jesus gathered them together and gave them their directions. He said, so the Father has sent me, now I send you. Matthew records Jesus giving them the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul reminded the fledgling church in Corinth that it is the body of Christ, the embodiment of God in the world. In his letters to the Corinthians and to the churches at Ephesus and Rome, Galatia, and Philippi, Paul stresses the importance of us as Christians being in the world but not of the world, of not quarreling among ourselves but being an example for others so that they might see Christ through us. Paul writes that we are to rejoice in the Lord always, And that there is no jew nor greek no man nor woman no slave nor free but we are all one in jesus christ this is who the church is called to be a living witness to the love of god in jesus christ in which all are welcome and by all we mean all so what would jesus say about the church today now for definition's sake i'm talking about the church universal but I have to be honest, mostly through Methodist lenses, as well as the lenses of this congregation. So first, I think that Jesus would say that at its best, the church gets a lot of things right. At a congregational level especially, we show up for each other. When one among us is hurting, we, depending on where you are, what church you're in, we knit prayer shawls, we bake casseroles, we organize prayer chains, provide respite for caregivers, visit shut-ins, and sometimes simply sit and be present with each other. I think back to last summer when so many of us mobilized to support Richard when he had his surgery and continues that long recovery. We are still showing up for him. When COVID hit, we showed up for each other in new ways. We went online effectively and quickly. So many people volunteered their talents to ensure that we would continue to have meaningful and excellent services of worship. John West took on so many more tasks, I'm telling you, uh, that's just amazing. Our AV team and our marketing team, our marketing team, which is one person, part-time, Devin, and then Marlon and Donna, Kevin, Dave, and the entire slate of our staff and our volunteers sacrificed their time and selflessly gave of themselves so that we could meet the moment and continue to be the church in an online format. What would Jesus say about the church? The church gets its mostly right on a systemic level when it comes to showing up. Part of our regular giving to the general church supports the infrastructure of Umcor, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, So that when disaster strikes, they can respond and we can know that hundred percent of our giving to a particular situation goes to the folks in need because the administrative portions already taken care of. As a congregation after Katrina, we sent five teams over five years to Waveland, Mississippi, and then another team to New Jersey after Hurricane Sandy. And because he led those teams, Pastor Mark has been invited to be part of our annual conference Tongan response task force to determine how we as an annual conference can best be of assistance to the Tongan people and their churches, many of whom have relationships with our annual conferences, Asian Pacific Islander churches. I think Jesus would say the church gets it right when we work for the values of God's kingdom of justice and righteousness for all God's people. Over the years, Christians in general and the, United, or and the Methodist Church in particular have been advocates for social justice, for an end to slavery, to women's suffrage, for a temperance during prohibition. That probably wasn't the most popular social justice issue, I'm just gonna say. For civil rights, voting rights, an end to Jim Crow laws, for an end to child labor and for environmental justice, for an end to nuclear armaments, and for diplomacy and peace in our world. As a congregation, we have been fierce advocates for an end to homelessness, as we heard last week from Dr. Abramson. The reason there is no longer an encampment along our curve is because the City Council took action and we advocated for them to enforce it to give housing to those who were eligible and to those bad actors that had infiltrated that corner and were bringing harm to the children who were coming in and out five days a week, to relocate them away from a school and to get them the mental health services we need. That's been all part of our advocacy. So what have I described thus far? The church gets it right when it seeks first and foremost to be the kingdom of God on earth. The church gets it right when it acts as the hands and feet of Christ in this broken and hurting world. The church gets it right when we put the needs of others above our own. The church gets it right when, we, when it acts and it loves like Jesus did and connects first and foremost with those who are among the least and the lost, the marginalized, the marginalized, And those who have turned away from God for any number of reasons. And what is the main reason that folks turn away from God? Why is the category of none, not N-U-N, N-O-N-E, the greatest religious affiliation, especially among young people today? The main reason is the church itself. I think Jesus would say that at its worst, the church gets way too many things wrong. And he weeps over the way the institution that was created to worship him has brought pain to so many. Do You remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was going to quote John Pavlovitz from his new book, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. A- and I couldn't because there were wasps in my office. Well, an update, they came back. And then they came back again, and the next week, and the next week. And finally, this past week, our amazing custodial team had the bright idea to put packing tape all around the leaded glass windows that open in my office, so the wasps couldn't get in. That has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon, but I thought you might want an update. No more wasps. But one of the things that the church has gotten wrong in so many ways is the prevalence of bad theology. Pavel Bitz writes, growing up, I can remember praying to a God who spoke light and shape into being and numbered the very hairs on my head, a God who fully adored me, but whose anger wasn't far away. I knew I was loved completely, as long as I didn't screw it up in the infinite number of ways it seemed possible to do. Stealing. Lying listening to Ozzy Osbourne, or one-day voting Democrat. As a result, I often prayed, whom shall I fear, while being rightly terrified. I needed to rescue people from eternal torment before God came again to judge them and me and all of humankind. That was a tall order for a first grader. And nearly half a century later, he writes, I'm still carrying the remnants of those ancient relics with me. Now, while Pavlovitz writes of theological harm, there are too many other ways the church has not lived into its mission as the body of Christ. For example, I believe Jesus weeps over the ways too many clergy in all denominations have been sexual predators among young people and caused them irreparable harm. And the church, in too many cases, remained silent and complicit. Now, that said, the incidence of clergy sex abuse in the United Methodist Church is far lower than in other faith traditions. And why is that? It's largely attributed to the presence of women clergy who have insisted on accountability at all levels. Now, there are other things that adult clergy women have had to deal with, like misogyny and lack of pay and appointment equity, but that's a whole nother sermon for another day. Jesus continues to weep over the racism that exists in the church. The most recent and egregious happening just this week the Central Conference bishops issued a letter unlike one they've ever issued before. In response to the WCA, which is the conservative sect of the denomination, the WCA had decided that they would provide vaccines for the members of the general conference so that they members could come to a general conference and be voted on and and vote, presumably in their own way. The bishops wrote, we are appalled by the action of the Wesleyan Covenant Association regarding COVID vaccines. The WCA has decided to raise funds to assist some United Methodists, mostly in Africa, with getting vaccinations for the sole purpose of making sure those United Methodists who are delegates to the postponed General Conference would be able to travel in the United States. While we understand that vaccines are not easily accessible to all people in many parts of the world. We are dismayed that the WCA would choose to help provide vaccines to only a few people and not the community as a whole. If their motives are pure. Why not provide vaccines for the entire family of that delegate or the entire church or community in which the delegate lives and they go on on page 2 to talk about how this action reeks of colonialism. I invite you to read the entire entire letter. Now in spite of how bad that is, and as a sign that racism is alive and well in the institutional church, I believe that mostly Jesus weeps over the church's obsession with human sexuality at the expense of almost everything else. Here's the thing, Jesus doesn't care who you love, Jesus only cares that you love, amen? And yet we Methodists have spent the past 50 years, count them, 50 years arguing whether or not the church should exclude people based on their sexual orientation or their gender identity. The short answer is, no, they should not. I can't count the number of people who have sat in my office over the years asking me if God really loves them because they're gay. If the church they were raised in, which was not always a Methodist church, was right about them all along. I've spent hours trying to unpack distorted theology that folks were taught as a youth or young adult which said that if they were not a cisgender, heterosexual person, that God didn't love them and God wouldn't love them unless they changed. I can't think of anything that would cause Jesus to weep more than that. Except that that kind of bad theology, that kind of harmful theology, has brought us as a denomination to the point of schism, And that in and of itself will cause, I think, more and more people to say, (laughs) they call themselves Christians. I don't want any part of that. And then we weep along with Jesus. We don't know when General Conference will meet next. I have zero insider trading information, so just let me be really clear about that. But just thinking logically, do the Omicron variant and who knows what variant to come next, and the dearth of vaccines in parts of this world, I do not believe the General Conference can safely meet this as scheduled this coming August. So what do we do in the meantime? What will we do today? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to be the church that welcomes and embraces all people, No matter who you are, no matter whom you love, we're going to continue to love each other imperfectly, care for each other clumsily, and offer one another grace for the journey. And we will not forget the mission that God has called us to. In the gospel lesson for today, we find Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth, on the Sabbath, in the synagogue... He's handed a familiar scroll from Isaiah, which he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And he said, today... Today, my friends, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And what did the people in the synagogue and his neighbors want to do after that? They wanted to throw Jesus off a cliff. You see, Jesus knew the Spirit was upon him to set forth his mission, which he commanded us to offer to offer the poor good news, to offer release to the captive, sight to the blind and to proclaim that in spite of a pandemic, this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year. Today is the year. Not when the pandemic is over, not when things get back to normal, whatever that is, because they're not going back. We're not going back, and Jesus wouldn't want to. But today, today, family, is when we, the church, commit to the unfinished mission that Jesus has given us, Today is when we commit to doing more of the work that reflects the Jesus we love, the Jesus that bids us love God and one another above all else, the Jesus that bids us open the church and open us to all God's people. Today is when we say we are going to live into being the body of Christ in this world, healing those who are wounded, offering hope to those who are hurting. And rejoicing that, in fact, there are plenty of those who would want to draw, throw us off a cliff because we are committed to the integrity and the values of all God's children, no matter whom they love. So what would Jesus say about the church? So the Father has sent me, now I send you. Your work is not finished. Go out there and get it right, because I am with you always. Amen. said, so the Father has sent me, now I send you. God sends us all now to create a new church, to create a new vision for whom God has called us to be. Go now in love. Amen.